This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 94, with Christina Wise, Millionaire Money Coach. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Wouldn't it be so cool if you had someone in uh, in your corner, in your box, telling you advice, uh, someone who's been there, someone who's made millions of dollars and was able to give you the best and brightest insights into how to manage, grow, and invest your money? Uh, that's exactly what our guest today, Christina Wise, is going to do. But before we jump in, Holly, how you doing today? Doing pretty good. Thanks, Mark. Awesome. So uh, we're going to get into Christina Wise's interview. Again, Christina Wise, she's a real estate mogul, millionaire coach, and creator of several multi-million dollar businesses, including Good Life Luxury, The Paperless Agent, and Wealthy Wealthy. She is an international speaker and an author of the Amazon bestseller, Falling for Money, a romance novel for your bank account. <laughs> uh, named one of the 100 most influential real estate leaders in the country. She's been featured in USA Today, as well as by Apple, uh, Contractually, and Evernote for her creative leadership with emerging technologies. You guys are going to love what she has to share about how you can relate to this thing called money. Take it away, Christina. Christina, welcome to Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Hey, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover and a lot of things that you touch on in your practice. Uh, so we want to introduce you to our audience and just let folks know about all the work you're doing. But before we jump into everything that you have to offer, tell us a bit about your entrepreneurial adventure. How did you get to where you are today? Well, we all have our stories, right? Our adventure stories. And mine's a pretty long story at this stage in the game. But I started out in real estate. I started out as, I mean, I went to college, got an accounting and finance degree, found out pretty quickly that I didn't want to be a CPA that was really boring and was not my calling. Did a little self, you know, self exploration and wound up in this thing called real estate. And it just, at the time, I just found my calling. I became very good at it, was very good at real estate sales, taking care of my customer. And what I learned with this in the profession of real estate back in the day is that if you treat it like a business and you, and there's really no ceiling to this thing called income. And that was really my first entrepreneurial experience. I worked with a man named Gary Keller. He taught us how to run businesses and teams back, back before there's anything such as real estate teams, so on and so forth. So I was really lucky to study and work one-on-one -on -one with Gary before that company completely exploded. So from a young age, started out just, uh, just thinking kind of as an entrepreneur and business person, and that was real estate sales. Converted that. Over time, I built my own real estate brokerage and and a real estate training company that I took nationally. And at the same time, really studied this thing called money because I found so many people, especially in the real estate industry, were really great at earning it, but they were still broke. And I'd found myself in a very similar situation where, man, I made high commissions. I made a really high annual income. But at the end of the day, I was just, I had to go out and sell the next house and the next house and the next house. And it just was unrelenting. And then I woke up one day divorced and I have $150,000 of debt, can't pay my bills. I'm divorced, I'm a single mom, and I'm like, there's got to be something, this money game that I haven't figured out, because it's more than just earning a high income, because I am broke. And that was a pretty much, you know, some existential despair and a pretty low moment to be facing all this debt and, and trying to figure out why, even though I made all this money, I didn't have any money. 
So that really sent me on a personal journey to learn money and the kind of the money and wealth game, knowing that there had been others before me that had figured it out and there had to be some science or some knowledge or some skill that I didn't know because my situation wasn't working. So I did that, went on to really study money, build business, study business, had exits, built many different businesses. I can't even count how many businesses I've started. Some have succeeded, some have failed, some have done very well, and some did okay. But just loved business, just the game of business and entrepreneurship, and really the idea of making money. I love making money. But at the end of the day, what's far more fun than making money is building wealth and seeing what your wealth can do for you and the freedom and the, the security and the, um, I don't know, just the space it offers to understand there's a real difference between earning earning and wealth building. And they're two very different skill sets. So that was my journey. And then in 2013, I got, I had a serious health crisis and I'm, I'm lucky to be here. It was a very serious health crisis. And what I learned on my proverbial deathbed and literal deathbed at that time was that I was still in the chase of money. I was great at building wealth. I was a real estate investor and loved investing, building out that balance sheet and, and you know, uh, buying assets. I, I don't shop at Nordstrom's. I'm not at big into clothes, but I love buying assets. So that's where I like to buy. And, but I was still in the chase. I was still in the money game. I was all about success, achievement, more money, more money, and really lived in that unsustainable chase of more is better, more is better, more is better until I just realized at that period of my life that, wow, it's not about the money. Now, money saved my life because since I was good with money and I had both liquid assets and, and, you know, and, and non-liquid, but the liquid assets and having access to a quarter million dollars of cash because I'd learned this money wisdom from so many mentors and books and gurus and, and coaches or whatever label you want to give it, I had the cash to save my life. So it became that kind of moment where I realized that, wow, money's more important than anything. In my case, it saved my life and I didn't have to go in debt. I didn't have to do anything. And it gave me even the freedom and space to be able to try to heal myself because I didn't have to necessarily worry about the money. People, a lot of people aren't that fortunate, right? And then also, but I learned, but it's not about the money. So I had to come to terms with, well, what is life about if it's not about the chase and the money, but money matters more than anything. So coming out of that event, funny enough, and I don't know, funny is probably not the right word, but I really, I made a deal with Mother You that was like, you know what? I think I kind of effed everything up and I've got this big lesson. And if I get a second chance, I want to teach people what I've learned and I want to teach people the money game because money is so important, but it can't be about the chase and the grind. More is better and some external reward system that it's matched up against today in our culture. So lucky I'm still here and I came out of that. I actually walked away from the real estate industry. I'm still an investor, I would say, but I walked away from the industry and I moved into a brand and I was at the height of the industry. So it's a big walk away when I did that. But just uh, my passion and my calling and my purpose just became so obvious to me that, that my purpose is to teach people money and understanding a skill set, a philosophy, a belief system, a love of, an integrity with, a connection to our value system in a way that we can let go of maybe the dogma that's just not serving us, number one. Two, to understand it's pretty easy to learn when you just learn the principal laws and mechanics of how it operates. And three, how to connect it to consciousness and our value system so that the money that we make and the wealth we grow really does serve a bigger purpose. And so that's the work now. I'm really a money coach and consultant. And 
And um, I just love talking about money. And really, I just want money to be an easy conversation. You know, the t- some of the most important things like sex and money are the two things we don't talk about. And I just, I just want money to be an easy conversation because we have the confidence with a little bit of knowledge and skill that we could talk about money at any dinner table anyway, anywhere, and it wouldn't be odd, you know? So there you have it. So much good stuff there, Christina. Well, and, and you mentioned three elements to your philosophy of money. Uh, and I do think uh, it would be helpful for our listeners to walk through that. Can you share those with us and go into a bit of detail into each? Yeah. So the way I've separated, the way I think, and the way I've been able to work, I mean, it's pretty much how I work anyway, is I create frameworks. And so frameworks are models that we can follow that when we understand when there's chaos of information everywhere, that's where we get very confused. And money can be confusing because people are seeing all sorts of stuff and it's all kind of confusing. So when we can framework and model things or compartmentalize it in certain things and model it, then it's easier to understand. The information is understandable and connected. So the framework that I like to share is what I call earn, spend, and invest. And there are these kind of these three categories of money, if you will, that are distinct. And I really like a metaphor I think about it's like we have, we have different organs in our body. Let's say we have our brain, we have our heart, and we have our gut. And in functional integrative medicine, what we found as opposed to more conventional medicine that treats our organs very separately, in the integrative medicine world, yeah, my brain is distinct from my heart, my heart's distinct from my gut, but these are three very important systems that need to be healthy for our body to be healthy, but they're very integrated. So it's hard for our brain to be healthy. We can't just go in on the brain if our gut isn't healthy, our heart isn't healthy. So our money is very much the same way in these three different categories. They're distinct and we have to understand their distinctions that when they're talked about out in the marketplace, they're kind of all blended together, but they're also very integrated. So we have to understand that if we're in a place where money's not quite working the way we need to, like a money illness, if you will, if it's, it could be just a, a, like a cold. So it's a little bit Mm. off or even a disease. We need to go down and start looking at the source and look at these different systems and understand and kind of break them apart and, and try to look at what's the source of the illness and these different distinction and these body parts of money, if you will, so that we can try to work on them separately, but they all still work together. So the earn, spend, and invest as a framework is understanding where most people talk about money is in the making of it, right? So everything's about make more money, entrepreneurship, business, scaling your business. It's make more, make more, make more as though the answer to all my money, and the answer to all my money problems is to make more money. Well, that may or may not be true, but that's just one category of money. So in the making of money, if you have, if you go to a, you know, if you have a job or corporate, my, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've never had a consistent paycheck in my life. So I'm more in the business entrepreneurship world. But that whole game is about this idea of money called profits. We have our financial systems, we have our revenue, we have our cost of sales, we manage our expenses. At the end of the day, we want this thing called profit. But that's, that's that one piece of the money game. So if we're not making enough as business owners or that type of thing, then yeah, there's some science, there's some learning, there's that we, we go get business education so that we can be better at this thing called business. Why? So we can make more money. But that only takes us to the second place that if we make all our money and we spend all of our money, which most people like get caught in this hamster wheel of the more money I make, what do we do? The more money we spend, the more money we make, the more money we spend. And that's the trap. That's the money trap that most people get caught in. So especially high incomers, our lifestyle expense goes up to match our income going up and it keeps going up and so does the lifestyle. So 
that becomes a trap that most people aren't aware of. So what we, what I teach and, and, and kind of just um, to, to understand how these things operate together, but distinctly is how we really build true wealth is not in our business. It's not about making more money. The more money we make, our business is just a cash flow engine. It's just a way to generate. It's the source of the cash flow. It's the beginning of the money stream. And we move that into our household account. What I teach is the idea of running your household as a business. The same financial principles and distinctions apply in our business. So I see all these entrepreneurs that are really great in the financials of their business, but they don't have financial systems for their house. And so we have to look at every dollar and really think about what are the business systems and the business Dis terminology and distinctions and practices that allow us to earn profit in our household because in it's profit first it's profit off the top which i know which is what you teach too but in a business terms our household and business we have to be the cfo of our household that's where we build wealth not in our business our business is just the cash flow engine it's not the wealth building engine there's a distinction between earning and wealth building. And that happens in this middle piece of how well we're operators of our household business. And that's what I teach is how to be a CFO and a masterful operator of your household and the business, taking profit off top and how much profit's enough and what percentages as a distinction. So then that profit we move into the third category, which is the investment, earn, spend, and invest. And that's where we build our balance sheet. So in our household as a business, that's our profit and loss. We have to have a profit and loss statement for a business, for a household business, and just like we would in our business business, and know those numbers and what goals are we after, what are our targets, and and what are our percentages, and how much profit margin, and that type of thing. So that when we have that, then we can bring it over to you, Mark, and say, "All right, now I have all this profit. Will you help me build out a financial strategy?" to be able to fill out my balance sheet in a way that is a holistic integrative balance sheet that includes things like you talk about protection and whole life as a savings vehicle, different types of alternative investments, maybe some retirement stuff if it fits, and how I put in how our body is our number one asset, how we invest in our body that needs to be in our balance sheet, the difference between growth and cash flow assets. But, you know, and that's your world. But so I teach people how to think, the questions to ask, how to build their business system as their household so they have enough money to place with you so that then you can help them go multiply the earnings on the front end because earnings how much money we earn really is capped at some level unless we just want to put more of our bodies and time into that so assuming there's a time and space where it's like all right that's enough work there how we multiply our earnings is only on the balance sheet side. And that's only saying, hey, Mark, all right, help me multiply my hard earnings that's at the very beginning. And then I'd complete that by saying, I like to reverse engineer. So most people are like, okay, I'm going to make this amount of money, start here, then maybe I'll take some off the top, then I'll start investing. I like to start at the very end, like with you, working with someone like you or someone like me that can help them establish these numbers and ask this philosophical question is how much money is enough? How much money is enough mm, to live a good yeah. life today and for my future self to generate a portfolio of assets that are going to produce a passive income that's the enough number, that's the freedom number, work backwards that tells us what is the profit margin that we need to be putting in our household as a business that's attached to how much money do I need to earn, you know, and hopefully grow. But there isn't enough number that we don't have to be attached in this constant grind for the entire lives. And we're never, we're, there, we're never free. 
we're mm-hmm. always in some sort of grind. And the only way to do that, I believe, is we have to start kind of with the end of the mind, ask some of these questions, do some easy, what I call millionaire math. And then we have the plan, we have the system, we have people like you to work with. And then money just becomes so easy. It takes off like 80, 90% of the stress because we know how it works and we have a system and a plan. And every day is just working in the plan. Oh, I love that. Well, so each one of those, earn, spend, and invest, takes a mindset. uh, And I know people who are stuck in the earn mindset and all they want to do is make more money and that'll solve every problem. I know other people where it's all about how much can we cut, cut, cut out of our spending. Uh, So tell us a bit about some of the disciplines for each of those mindsets. What sort of practices or philosophies and even action items, habits, routines, tips and tricks, tactics, do you recommend to some of your clients when they're trying to build up the mindset of earn, spend, and invest? Yeah, so in the earning category, that's really our career. And the game there in the mindset is that we're always, we're always working to grow ourselves and grow our professionally and hopefully grow our income one way or another. And depending what business we're in or career we're in, Each one has their individual way to do that. But the idea is that more isn't always better. So in the business world, usually what I'm hearing all the time, the mindset is, how do I scale my business? How am I going to 10X and then go into all this? And 10Xing the business may or may not be congruent or aligned with your end goal number, how much is enough for you and, and what your goals are. So we're comparing the mindset to what all the dogma is out there that put more into it and all this grind and and grit and hustle, hustle, hustle. That's the word. Thank you. The hustle, the hustle that maybe that's for some, I want as little hustle as possible. You know, I want a free, not easy, but just life that gives me a lot of space where I don't have to be in the hustle all the time. Do I hustle? Can I hustle? Do I have grit? Do I have resiliency? Do I work my ass off a lot of times? Hell yeah. But I don't have to. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not a slave to your business, right? Hopefully not. Exactly. So that's the mindset there. But for all of us, you know, we're, we're part of professional and personal growth, especially in business, is attached to how do I grow my business. In the household of the business, spending category, you know, so much of the mindset there, like you said, is restrict, 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 budget, budget, budget. And it's all about restriction. It's all about less. And in this case, uh, and, but, but because of that, I think what we do is we spend too much. We just don't know the numbers. So we're spending too much. Yeah. But it's not about we should be restricting. It's all about abundance. So the mindset is our household and business needs to be about abundance. It's an abundant mindset, not about a restriction mindset. But it's abundance as a, as a mentality and a lifestyle that that's the thing that we know we can be so abundant when we, have, when we bring that to the table. But we also have to follow the money laws and principles that are congruent with abundance. And so money has laws and principles that are required to do so. One, sense, one, one law, for example, that we've all heard is Parkinson's law. The Parkinson's law of money, there's two fact, facets of that. Parkinson's law of money says that expenses will always rise to match income. So if we know that's a law, that means it's always, that's, that's permanent. It's, 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 it's a rule of mother nature. So we have to, if that's true, if that's that lifestyle creep, if, if 
expenses always rise to match income, then we have to have something in place that will keep that from happening. And that's an awareness and financial systems and an understanding that enables us not to spend everything we make as our income goes up and that allows us not to spend more than we make because the consumerism is the philosophy of our country and this external reward system is so it's such a force that unless we build in something between our mindset and our systems that counteract that, we're going to automatically fall victim to it. But it's an abundance mindset. It's understanding that it's about abundance and growth, not about restriction. But part of that, it's looking at choice. When it comes to our spending, how we get rich is all about how we spend. How we build wealth is how good we are at spending. So it's a skill set of spending. It's not about restricting. It's about the skill of spending, like where to spend. So if I make $100,000, I'm going to spend all $100,000 in my household. Well, how do I spend it? I can spend all $100,000 on my lifestyle. But $100,000, I'm going to spend it. Now, I'm going to spend probably 30% of it is the profit I'm going to take off. But I'm going to spend 30% to buy assets. But I'm spending the 30%. I'm spending the money, right? Right. Mm -hmm. It's still spend. So it's understanding the concept of spending. Now, out of the hundred percent of the hundred thousand, maybe thirty percent goes. Maybe thirty percent goes to taxes. There's this thing we have to call taxes, right? So I'm spending it on the taxes. It's money spent. It's out of my bank account. Now I'm going to spend it. Now I need liquid cash. So where do I spend it to have savings? Savings is just future spending, meaning I'm putting some money aside in these, in these cash accounts, if you will. There's different vehicles for that. But for cash, so I have access to cash. We have to have liquidity. So I spend money every single month, let's say, to fill those, those savings accounts so that I have money on big purchase spending. And the rest that I spend is on my lifestyle. And I have those, cat, those split up into what I call living expenses, which are pretty much the fixed expenses that we have every month and the luxury expenses. because Many of us is where we, we have too much luxury, which is the second facet of Parkinson's law that says what once was a luxury becomes a necessity. So when our lifestyle creep goes up and we get used to what used to be, I mean, you think in times when we we're in our early 20s, things that would be like, oh my gosh, that'd be such a luxury. Now it's a complete necessity. I couldn't, I couldn't go back to that lifestyle in my 20, late 20s, right? I mean, so what, what, what once was a luxury becomes a necessity. So it's very difficult to go down in lifestyle, kind of these lifestyle um, choices, if you will, and luxury choices. So, but when we're aware of these things, then we know that there's a certain choice that it comes with every single spend. And so we spend 100% of what we make, but that's what I teach is how to spend it and what percentages of our spending is the profit percentage, meaning the investment. What, what percentage should be our lifestyle expenses built into living in luxury? What percentage would, as a model should be for savings and more liquid investments? So, and then how do we systematize that and create it into a financial system and a financial practice that keeps us on track? Because when it comes to money, money more or less is fixed. You know, it goes up over time, but at any given month, there's a fixed amount of money. So every dollar that we spend is a choice. And we're confronted with the choice. If I spend it on, I don't know, a $5,000 new wardrobe, that's a choice, but there's a trade-off because that fixed amount, or is it a $5,000 that maybe I'll put into an investment account or a savings account for a future vacation I want to take or, or something that's more aligned with our values. But it's understanding that every single choice when we make when it comes to spending 
is a trade-off for something else. And so I have an exercise that I call that what's called meaningful versus meaningless expense spending that, to, that we become very intimate and congruent, very intimate and aware of where, where money's going in a way that our choices of how we spend and the trade-offs we're making are in alignment with our value system and congruent with our future self long-term plans because at some time we're going to get old and we're going to get more tired and we're not going to want to work this hard and we're going to want to have those assets that are paying some of our bills and hopefully all of them. So good. Well, and part of the philosophy you bring to your your listeners for your, from your show and your clients is a concept very similar to what we've shared on some of our episodes, which is you say, become your own banker. And I'd just love for you to t- touch on that just a minute. What do you mean when you say become your own banker? And maybe importantly, what's the mindset that comes with being your own banker? Yeah. So I love that, that you know, we shared that in common. And the idea of become your own banker from my point of view, is that that we're we're our own banker. I mean, we own our money, or the banks own, are taking our money. So, in the idea, especially in my category, which is the spend, which is the household, is the business, is that I think one of the latest statistics, and you might even know this statistic better than I, but it's like thirty three percent of people's income are going just towards interest payments. Wow, that's one third of the, pe- the money people are making are going towards interest alone. That means the banks out there are getting 33% of our hard-earned money and it's wow. compounding. So the idea of becoming an armed banker means we're the bank. I want my money in my account versus the bank's account versus a Nordstrom's credit card account or the Mercedes-Benz credit card account or credit account or my mortgage account maybe being too high or whatever other banks, the banks are after, our, they want our money, they're all those credit cards. And so, no, those are all banks out there. And that means they're making, they have the, they're making the interest and I'm not making the interest. I want the 33%. I want to be making that 33% interest, not the banks. And so the, the mentality of become your own banker means like, no, that's, I'm banking my own money. I'm making the interest. I'm making the loans. And that, and just, it's an understanding that that, that type of mindset then is not that like being in debt's bad or you shouldn't or these credit card things. It's just understanding like, no, I'd rather have my, I'd rather make the interest versus the, I'd, make, I'd rather make the interest on my money versus the bank and making the interest on my money. There I'm making go. different choices in my lifestyle. And the other thing I'd say to that too is really what I, uh, is the building in the value system also is the idea of the gratitude of the great of being when we're one with our money and we spend time in our household account, like anything, I exercise to stay healthy. Do I jump up and down to go exercise and go go do a little bit of that pain and suffering and uncomfort? Would I rather do? Would I rather put on Game of Thrones and sit on my sofa and just do a Game of Thrones marathon versus exercise? Absolutely. But we have to exercise our money too, so we have to be in our money and spend time with it. But I think when we have an honoring system, when we honor ourselves in a way. It's a way of honoring our money because we're out there working so hard. We're giving our time, our energy, our souls, our love. We're making compromises away from our family and these different things to earn the money that I think the way to honor ourselves is to honor our money because our money is what we get in return. It's the reciprocation of the impact and the gifts of ourselves we're putting out of the world, our study, our skills, our time. 
everything that we offer the world in exchange for this thing called money. So we can even flip the mindset too of honoring ourselves in a way by honoring our money and seeing where every dollar is going in a way that we want to take care of it. We want to nurture it. We want to love it in a way. That's why my book's called Falling for Money. It's falling in love with our money as a way to honor it, not love it like greed, but love it as gratitude for what's coming back in. And when we can take that mindset and then we give it attention and nurture and love and gratitude, we see the trade-offs. We know this trade-off and it's all choice. Every dollar we spend is a choice. Again, it's not about restriction and you know this or that. It's, a, it's just about choice that's in alignment for our, our now and for our future now. And when you build all that together, it can just make the, a relationship with money really beautiful and and connected in a way that feels good that makes us want to now at the same time getting into my quickbooks and doing all my reconciliation are there things i'd like to do on my saturday mornings then probably do that that's my money exercise but if i want my exercise if i want my money to multiply into muscle and to grow i've got to exercise it and that's just part of the discipline and commitment but once you get into it and get, you get good at it, you love seeing it grow. And when you can see it grow, it's like a garden. You see you planted these seeds and there's these beautiful flowers. You have to pick a few weeds and get your hands dirty. But when you see the beautiful flowers and the bees and the hummingbirds, it's just such a right. work that you put into it. Oh, Christina, there's so much good stuff there. I love how you view how money is essentially a, a force of energy from your life to the world or from the world back to you. And it's that transfer of value, transfer of energy, and honoring that I think is so valuable. And why would we give away our energy or our value to a bank down the street? Why would we let someone come steal one third of our garden that we work so hard for, right? So uh, in these final moments, tell us a few of the uh, rules of money and how does money relate to uh, your health. I mean, once I heard someone say we spend the first half of our life spending our health to get our wealth, second half of our life, we spend our wealth to reclaim our health. What is the relationship between health and wealth? And what are the rules of understanding how money works to make it better work for us? Yeah. So, you know, I learned the lesson the hard way that I didn't think of my body as an asset. I just really thought of it as something I don't know. I, I just didn't factor the two together. But then when I lost my health, that was my big wake up call is that at the end of the day, our body is our number one asset. And we need to value that asset. And we need to love that asset, right? Because when you're sick, you can't be making money, not only in the money game, but you can't enjoy life either. And then we're spending all of our money. I, I spent a quarter million dollars and then some to get my health back, right? That's, that's real money. That would be making me a lot more money right now. I'd have a lot more millions in my bank had right. I been able to invest that quarter mil versus paying it to the doctors. Uh, so, so yeah, I think it's just the idea too, is that when we're in the grind, when we're in the chase, we're in the hustle and, uh, and we're sacrificing our own health and well-being, there will be a cost to that. So yeah, that's one of the principles is to understand that our most valuable asset really is our self, is our body. And so even in the financial system that I teach, we sweep for, for we, we sweep, meaning on our balance sheet is how much money are we investing into our overall health and wellness. So that's part of that. But you know, just some of the you know, money laws and principles is, it's like I said, Parkinson's law those are big ones to, to really take consideration and to think about. 
And it's, it's also to understanding, like I said, just the truth. There's a difference between earning and wealth building. And we need to put them in different categories. And the truth is another truth that mindset matters. Our relationship with money, how we value it, how we think about it, how it's charged, how we can communicate about it, our skill set with it. It's a skill set. Money is a skill set. We go, that's another thing is, you know, in business, for example, we're always honing our skills. We're improving our skill sets. We're trying to get better at this. And the better our skill set typically in anything, they become, once we master things, it become, you know, we start as at the, you know, in our late 20s or when we're in, starting in the, the earning game, we don't really have a lot of skills, right? And we're, we're paid less money at that point. But as we learn and we grow and we experience, we're constantly honing and mastering our skills to hopefully become a master level at something, which is where, you know, we make the most of money. So money is a separate skill set. It's not just our professional skills, but it's money as a skill. It's an understanding that there's a real skill set to money, which means there's knowledge involved. There's principles involved. There's skills involved. There's tools involved. There's a network that's involved. Nobody gets rich alone. So who you have in your network, for example, people listening to you, that you're part of their network, you want a really good network when it comes to money. So there's all these things, but people, it's just money in, money out, money in, money out. And maybe there's, maybe if they're in a, in a corporate job, they have some money going into this 401k thing or something, but they're not even paying attention to that. They think that's going to be enough, but there's no skill in that. There's not a choice in that. It's just, I mean, there's a choice like, yeah, maybe I want to match it. We don't, we'd only want to match, never max. But if there is a match, for example, maybe that's a choice, but there's no more thought that goes into it. And then the rest is money in, money out. So it's understanding that if we don't, the truth is if we don't spend time with our money, we're not going to have it. It's going to be in somebody else's bank account. So good. Well, as we wrap up here, I want to make sure our listeners can find out more about the work you're doing. Uh, you mentioned your book, Falling for Money. And I know there's a website, fallingformoney.com. Uh, are there other places that we could keep up with all the work you're doing and, and just learn more about the way you see and view and talk about money? I have, a, I have like a short 12-minute video where I teach the, what I call the five truths of money in, in a lot more detail, but it's 12 minutes and easy to listen to. And I think it's a real eye-opener because once you know these five truths, it can shift really, again, it can shift the mindset. It can, it can make a big difference in the way, maybe bring new awareness that once anything in life when we lack awareness, we're just in the habits and kind of the unconscious day-to-day -day things that we do. We're just, we're just not aware. So that's part of learning and listening to podcasts or reading books and, or, or studying under different experts or people is that they bring awareness through their own knowledge and experiences that we just didn't know about. We just don't know, don't know. So the whole idea in all of life in these different categories is to bring awareness to places of resistance or to bring new awareness to places where life isn't quite working out or where we're experiencing breakdowns. Like, oh, there's something to learn there. So that's my five truths. And it's wealthywealthy.life forward slash five truths. So we'll send that to you. You can probably put it in your show notes. And we will. Yeah. We'll have it in the show it's notes. Just a fun, it's just a, like I said, 12 minutes. It's easy to listen to. And, and maybe it can bring some new awareness that can help people you know, my goal with all of this is that there becomes more of a curiosity and eagerness and a desire to want to go deeper with their money. And you have a podcast as well. What is the name of the podcast? My podcast is called Wealthy Wealthy Life. And, and you were on my podcast and you were awesome. So anybody listening to mine, make sure you listen to Mark and, and we're just completely in alignment. And I just had, I had so much fun interviewing you and, 
and listening to your perspective. Well, we can't wait to see what else you have in the pipeline for the future. And Christina, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. So we will have her link to Money Mastery Training, her course that she's given uh, out there for anyone who's interested uh, on in the show notes, thewealthywealthy.com slash five dash truths with a S at the end. And then we'll also include the link to Falling for Money, her book. Uh, it's a free download and we'll include that link in the show notes as well. So Holly, uh, this was a fun interview for me. And, you know, one of the first things that really jumped out at me was she she really got to the um, her own story quickly about her own money journey. She talked about making a great income, but then not being sure exactly what to do with the money once she got it. You know, she mm-hmm. was making more and more and the expenses kept rising. You know, so she really got quickly the lesson learned that it's more than just about earning a high income, Mm -hmm. right? What about you? What did you find from the episode? Yeah, and just her idea of earn, spend, invest, where um, those are kind of like three separate and distinct um, things that you need to focus on and kind of learn one at a time. So, you know, you have to to learn how to earn money first and foremost, right? Because you're not going to care how to spend money if you never have it in the first first place. So you have to learn how to to earn the money so that you, you have the money. But then once you have it, don't just go and spending, you know, spend it frivolously. You know, have to learn how to spend money and spend money properly. And then if you're spending your money, if you're, you know, earning a good income, you're spending appropriately, probably means you're going to have some surplus and some leftover. And so then that can ultimately get you to the point where um, you can invest. And then you, of course, need to learn how to invest well. Um, Just kind of makes me think for me, just kind of echoes to um, uh, budgeting, you know, I mean, very, very similar, um, I guess, probably more to the learning how to spend. I would definitely insert like budget there for myself personally in the way that I kind of process. Um, but of course, that's not, you know, a budget itself isn't going to help you earn more. So that's its own separate thing. So but I, I liked her um, kind of, um, I guess, analogy that she has between the relationship, you know, of all these different systems with money and the systems of the body and her her way of kind of processing it much like your physical health, you know, your financial health and and so she kind of likens it to our brain, our heart, and our gut, and how those are distinct uh, systems. So, you know, um, you can be great at earning money, but not healthy in how you spend your money. Um, and then that's, of course, going to have negative effects on the whole system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all a part and piece of the same system, but yet they're different parts at the same time. So, um, you know, you might be healthy in your heart, but you're not but not in your gut. And again, that's going to have repercussions for the whole body, um, not just... It's not just going to be about your gut. It's going to affect other things. So um, I also liked about how, uh, or I liked how she, she spoke to, you know, it's not just about making more, but it's also not about spending less. You know, it's a combination of the two. Um, I feel like it's pretty easy to find people in the camps of, you know, just go out and make a ton of money. If you make a ton of money, all your problems will go away because you'll have more money than you know what to do with. And, um, you know, you'll you'll never have to worry about, all these other things because you'll just have enough money or people that are saying like penny pinch, penny pinch, you know, and um, just start spending less, spending less, squeeze down those expenses. And I like, I've always been a proponent of balance myself. And so to just kind of think about that existing in a balanced way of, yeah, maybe earn your maximum potential. Don't kill yourself, <laughs> you know, just trying to make more than, than maybe um, your, your interests would align with or something, you know, just to have that balance to um, be, you know, make as much as you can, but, you know, and keep your expenses um, appropriate and in line with that income budget and kind of have that balance in there. I like it. 
Good. Well, you're right. I think one of the best things she brings to the table is she really dives into the heart of the matter, learning what are our habits, what are our beliefs, what are our agreements with money. And I think to get that healthy mindset, definitely reach out to Christina. She's really got a handle on this thing called money and understanding our belief systems that back why we do what we do with our money. So good stuff. Love it. Um, so, so everybody, I just want to thank you again for joining us for this episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast. We've got lots in the pipeline to come. But for today, we are here to help you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.